Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you like the podcast, you can subscribe to it and get two episodes six days a week using Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Spreaker, or Google Podcast. Uh, today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show, support.greatdetectives.net. And I want to go ahead and thank Burton for supporting the program that way. You can also send a donation with the Zelle app to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Thank you to Daniel for supporting the program that way. And you can also become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month at patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it is time for this week's episode of Tales of the Texas Rangers. The original air date is December the 16th, 1951, and the title is Pickup. <laughs> of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Another authentic reenactment of a case transcribed from the files of the Texas Rangers. Dates and places in the following story are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. With only six shopping days till Christmas, thoughts go quickly to the many happy, hurried preparations for this wonderful religious feast day. There are presents for the children, the turkey for dinner, and a thousand and one important things to plan and arrange before December 25th rolls around. Sunday is probably your day to rest, your day to take it easy. And it's on Sunday that NBC brings you a whole evening of great entertainment to help you relax, put you into a holiday mood, and provide you with many hours of pleasant radio listening. Today, hear the big show with stars including Rosalind Russell, Phil Silvers, Jack Carson, Sarah Vaughan, and many more. Yes, a full 90 minutes of great entertainment is yours. Comedy, drama, music. It's the big show. Then, Phil Harris and Alice Faye are featured in a half hour of mirth and music. Later, Theater Guild on the Air presents Tyrone Power and Loretta Young in Aerosmith by Sinclair Lewis. Stay tuned to NBC, now entering its second quarter century as the leader in radio programming. And now, from the files of the Texas Rangers, the case called Pickup. It is 11.30 on the night of July 15, 1948. In a hobo jungle just outside the freight yards of Stone Canyon, Texas, two men crouch beside a small fire. Ain't that coffee ready yet, Whitey? Before you know it, the freight will be here. Well, it ought to be ready now. Hand me them two tin cans. Catch. (laughs) 
Oh, I wish we was already riding that rattler, Joe. I'm getting cold. You're always getting cold. Well, it's my chest. <laughs> yeah, you've been right since last winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here's your coffee. You know, I've been thinking, Joe, maybe we ought to stick around a while. What for? Well, there's plenty of work here. <laughs> uh, besides, I'm getting tired, always moving, never getting set long enough to rest. <clears throat> now, what's the matter? This coffee. What'd you put in it? Well, I made it the same as always, oh, Joe. Oh, I ought to know better than to let you make it, Whitey. You never could make a cup of coffee fit to drink. Uh, come on, let's grab that rattler. Hey, you're pouring the coffee on the fire. That's all it's good for. Put out fires. Come on, let's go. Well, let me finish my coffee first. Come on, come on, Whitey. You want to miss this break? Well, okay, Joe. Joe, Joe, wait. I can't run so fast. Come on, come on, Whitey. Joe. Oh, no, I'm trying, Joe. Wait, wait. That empty, Whitey, with the door open. Yeah, yeah, all right. Uh, hurry up, will you? Uh, I can't, can't make it, Joe. Give me a hand. Uh, there. there you go. I don't know why I bother with you. More trouble. Move out of the way. I want to get the door closed. Might be some railroad ticks around. Yeah. That's better. Joe. Yeah? There's somebody else riding in this car. Over in the corner. Well, so what? You don't own the railroad. Well, he's laying on his face. Something's wrong with him. Nah, he's probably drunk. Leave him be. Well, maybe he's sick. <laughs> I'm gonna... Joe. Now what's the matter with you? This guy. He's dead. What? Yeah, let me see. Yeah. We had to pick this car. We gotta get out of here, Joe. You crazy, Whitey? This rattler's moving too fast now. We get killed. Well, if the cops find us in here with that stiff, they'd send us away for good. We gotta get out of here, Joe. Wait, I got a better idea. He's gonna get out. You? You gonna throw a dead man off the train? Why not? He won't care. <laughs> I still think we ought to leave him be. Get out soon as the rattler slows down near a town. What's the matter, you chicken? Come on, get hold of his other arm. Joe, no. Go on, grab it, Whitey. Now, now, let's get him over to the door. <laughs> oh, I feel sick. You're always feeling sick. Sure is rough country out there. Okay, throw him out. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, don't have to worry about him no more. Okay, Whitey. What do you say we get some sleep? The body was found in a rocky ravine a day later by a Mexican nester, Julio Ramirez, who rode to the nearest town and reported his discovery. In the absence of the sheriff, the rangers were notified. Within two hours, rangers Jace Pearson and Clay Morgan were riding toward the ravine together with Ramirez. How much farther, Julio? Oh, he's not far, senor. Just over the slope. The dead one, he's there at the bottom. Are you sure you never saw him before? Yeah, pero no, senor. And I would know because in a whole year I seen maybe like six people. Uh, this one I never seen. That's why it was uh, such a great surprise to find the dead one. Oh, Rosita, she, she was so scared. Rosita? Yeah, that's my burro, senor. She was uh, so scared. Ah. Ah, senor, eh, eh. there, there, there is the dead one. He's down there by the rocks. Oh, oh, oh boy. Oh, boy. Eh, Jace, railroad tracks near this side of the ravine. Uh-huh. Julio? Si, senor. 
How often do the trains come past here? Oh, two times a day, senor. But uh, they do not carry a lot of people. You mean the freight trains? Uh, see, see, that, that's it, Fre- freight trains. They could have fallen off one of these freights, Chase. Yeah, we'll know better when we get a look at the body. Get up, Charlie. Come on, come on. Yeah. Arre, Rosita, arre. No, 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 Rosita, don't be scared. The dead one will not hurt you, querida. Easy, Charlie. Easy, yeah. easy boy. Yes, senores, my Rosita, she's still scared. If you don't need me some more... You can go now, Julio. Thanks for helping us. Ah, por nada, senor. I'll be in my shack over that hill. Arre. Adios, senores. Whoa, Chuck. Whoa, boy, whoa. Let's get to work, Clay. Hey, shirt's torn. There's dirt and rock dust all over his back. Looks like he did fall off one of those freights or got pushed. Yeah, turn him over, will you? Yeah. Jase. Yeah, shot in the chest. Well, that's our first break. Bullet didn't go through the body. We'll be able to turn the slug over to ballistics. I'll check him for identification. Not what you'd call a pretty boy, is he? Rolling down that hill didn't improve his looks any. You find anything? Not yet. Pockets are clean. I don't think we'll get much from the dungarees and the shirt. Hey, wait a minute. What is it? Laundry mark on the shirt. CJ405. That's some help. Not too much. We'll have to check every laundry in Texas to find out where this came from. I got a hunch we may not have to do that. That stain on his shirt and those two on his dungarees. What would you say they were? It could be crude oil. Uh Uh-huh. Take a look at his shoes. Some more stains on top and oil caked in the soles. Yeah, looks like it worked in the oil fields. We'll have the lab go over these clothes, but it sounds like a pretty good bet. An awful lot of all towns in Texas, Jason. Yeah, but only one I know of on this rail line. You mean that boom town south of here? That's it, Ralston. I suppose we find out he did come from there. How'd he get in one of those freights and who pushed him off right here at this spot? We'll worry about that later. Come on, Clay. We got a lot to do before we head for Ralston. for the local justice of the peace to bring the body into town. Then we photographed the dead man and the laundry mark on his shirt. Three hours later, we were in Ralston checking the laundries. The second one told us what we wanted to know. The dead man was Carl Jessup, an oil well rigger who worked for an independent operator named Hamlin. We located Hamlin at one of his drilling rigs. Well, what can I do for you, Rangers? We'd like to ask you a few questions. Uh, Sure, excuse me just a minute. Scotty! Tell Al over in the Knowledge House to come on out and check that bit when you get her up. All right, what kind of questions? You know a rigger named Carl Jessup? I did. What do you mean you did? Well, he worked for me till two nights ago. Didn't show up for work the next morning, so I figured he took off. Any reason why he'd do that? Well, he'd just been paid a month's wages. Maybe he just wanted to move on, work someplace else. But he didn't tell you he was going to quit? No. No, he didn't. Wasn't surprised, though. Why not? Well, Carl was always kind of restless. Big, homely boy. Got the idea he was always unhappy about something. Anything in particular he was unhappy about? Well, I I don't rightly know. Seemed like he was carrying a grudge against the world because he was born so homely, I guess. But that's only a guess. Clay, show Mr. Hamlin the photo. Yeah. Is that Jessup? Yeah, that's him all right. It was kind of funny, Ranger. Was he hurt or something? He was murdered, Mr. Hamlin. Shot through the chest. Murdered? But who'd want to... That's what we're trying to find out. Did Jessup ever fight with any of the other oil workers around Ralston? Not that I know of. Like I say, he was quiet and never cracked a smile, but 
I never seen him fight with nobody. When was the last time you saw him? Well, like I say, two nights ago. I just paid them in, and most of us went down to the Bonanza Cafe for a glass of beer. Uh, Jessup was there. Did he seem upset about anything? Upset? <laughs> no. Matter of fact, he was looking happier than I ever seen him look. <laughs> Can't say as I blame him, neither. How do you mean? Well, he was talking with the prettiest redhead I've seen in a long time. Oh? You know her name? No, no, never seen her before. But can you describe her? That ain't hard. She's about 5'4", uh, built like a... <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Didn't it strike you funny, Mr. Hamlin, that a pretty girl like that would be hanging around an ugly fella like Jessup? Well, maybe it did a little, but you never know about women. Besides, I, I figured that was strictly their business. Did you see them leave the cafe together? Might have. Couldn't swear to it. I remember looking up once and they were both gone. Say, you figure this gal shot Carl? We don't figure anything yet. This Bonanza Cafe, is it near the freight yards? Uh, yeah, about a block away. Uh-huh. How much money did Jessup get paid that night? Well, I'd have to check my records to tell you exact, but uh, I know it was the right fair amount. Worked a lot of overtime. Must come to $600-odd. Are you thinking the same thing I am, Jase? Yeah, sounds like the old confidence game, all right. And from what we know of Jessup, he was a sitting duck for it. Mr. Hamlin, you mind taking a trip to Austin with us? What for, Ranger? We want you to go through our mug file of confidence girls. Maybe you can identify a pretty redhead. How about that one, Mr. Hamlin? Oh, no, that ain't her. Now, look, Ranger, I'm glad to help out if I can, but... I'm getting a little tired of looking at gals' pictures. We don't have many more to go through. Hand me that last bunch of folders, Clay. Sure. Here. Take a look at this one. Mm, nope. Nope. Don't even look like her. Besides, that one's a blonde. Gal, you once got red hair. Real red. It might be dyed. This one look familiar? Mm, I don't... Wait a minute. Here, let me take another look. Yeah. That's her, Ranger. That's her. Who is it, Jase? Lil Dunlop. Served three terms at Gory. Confidence record. I didn't recognize her at first. Looks a mite younger in that picture. It was taken four years ago. You sure she's the one? I couldn't miss her. She sure got a pretty face. So she's the one that shot Jessup, huh? More likely the man she works with. Man? I didn't see no man with her and Jessup. You wouldn't have. He was probably waiting outside the cafe, maybe in the freight yard. Well, how'd you find out who the man was, uh, if there was one? Little Dunlap's record ought to tell us something. Uh-huh. Yeah. You find something, Jase? Could be. Each time Lil was arrested, she was with a man named Charlie Bond. You want me to get his file out? Yeah, but first take Mr. Hamlin over to the colonel and see if he gets transportation back to Ralston. Sure. Come on, Mr. Hamlin. All right. Have you. Uh, meet you back here, Jase? No, by the teletypes. I'm going to get out and all points bulletin on Lil Dunlop and Charlie Bond. <laughs> In a moment, we will continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Charity is all mankind's concern, and especially at this time of the year, we must, in our charity, remember there are many less fortunate men, women, and children who have not even shelter, 
much less a comfortable home where families can be reunited. We must, in our charity, remember the poor and the lonely who will not receive a Christmas present or be remembered by anyone if we forget them. We must, in our charity, remember those suffering in hospitals, shut in and yet shut out from Christmas joy. We must, in our charity, remember young children whose dreams of Christmas we can help come true. Yes, charity is all mankind's concern. You can show your concern for mankind by supporting the Salvation Army Christmas Appeal. Through the Salvation Army, your charity brings Christmas happiness to legions of lonely and poor people. We continue now with Tales of the Texas Rangers and our authentic story, Pick Up. got out in all points bulletin on Lil Dunlap and Charlie Bond with orders to spot and keep under surveillance but not to apprehend. Clay worked south and I worked north, hoping to get some line on them. The first day passed without results. So did the second. The third day at noon, I received an urgent radio call from Clay. I met him back at company headquarters. Well, you got back here in a hurry, Jace. What's up, Clay? Phone call from San Antonio about Lil Dunlop. Oh, they ever spotted? Well, not exactly, but a rancher identified her as the girl who picked him up in a cafe last night. She invited him to a party. Uh-huh. Then a shortcut through the freight yards. A man jumped out, slugged him, and rolled him for all his money. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. Same old pattern. Did the rancher get a look at the man? No, Jace, it was too dark, but it's a good bet it was Charlie Bond. How much did they get away with this time? Over $800. Doing all right. Yeah, not for long, I hope. You know, they must be pretty confident to start operating so soon after they murdered Carl Jessup. Yeah, but at least they're operating. And sooner or later, we'll get them. Probably not in San Antonio, though. Chances are they moved on as soon as they made their haul there last night. Maybe. Hey. Hey, wait a minute. What's on your mind? San Antonio. Where's that folder with Charlie Bond's record? Over on the other desk. You got an idea, Jason? Yeah, I'll tell you in a second. Here's what I want. Take a look at that page, Clay. Second paragraph. I don't get it, Jace. This just says Charlie wants attempted escape from Huntsville with a cellmate. A guy named Earl Dorn. Otherwise known as Mousy Dorn. You know this fellow? I sent him off on his last trip to Huntsville. He worked the confidence record, same as Charlie Bond. Yeah, but what's that got to do with... San Antonio, Clay? That's where Mousy lives. Never operated any other place. You don't think he was in on that job with the other pair last night, do you? No, but if he was as good a friend of Charlie as I think he was, Charlie wouldn't leave San Antonio without seeing him. Maybe he and the girl even stayed with Mouse. Could be worth our paying a visit, huh? Yeah. Come on, Clay. Let's get to San Antonio. This is it. Doesn't look like anybody lives here. We'll soon find out. Not what you'd call a fancy house. Well, Mousy never did go in much for trimmings. Yeah, I didn't think anybody was here. Try the door. Yeah. Jay, she's going out the back window. Yeah. Hold it, Mousy. Let me go. Come on, let me go, huh? Stick around, Mousy. It's not polite to walk out on your visitors. Why, I ain't done nothing, Ranger. Then why are you trying to run away? I wasn't trying to run away. I, I just got scared. Let, let me go, huh? Sure. 
Come on, let's go sit down. We want to have a little talk with you. Well, well, what are you after me for, Ranger? I've been living right ever since I got our hunch, Phil. Sit down, Marcy. Yeah, yeah sit down. Jase, over here on the sink. Yeah, you've been having visitors, Mousy? Huh? Uh, no, no, no. I, I, I had no visitors, no. You usually drink coffee out of three cups at once? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot. Uh, uh, my aunt and uncle from Houston, uh, they come by for a cup of coffee. I see. Yeah. A middle cup, Clay. Hold it by the bottom and bring it here, will you? Yeah. Oh, thanks. So your aunt and uncle were here? Yeah, yeah, my, my aunt and uncle, yeah. What color is your aunt's hair, Mousy? Huh? Uh, she's, uh, uh, she's, uh, she got gray hair, yeah. Hey, you sure it isn't red, Mousy? Yeah, yeah, well, why? Because the lipstick on this cup is bright orange, the kind of red-headed woman might wear. You sure it was your aunt and uncle that were here? I, uh, well, I, uh, It could I, have I, been Lil Dunlop and Charlie Bond, couldn't it, Mousy? Charlie? Uh, I ain't seen him in a long time. A real long time, Ranger. How many times have you been in Huntsville? I don't remember. Uh, 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 twice, I think. Three times, I know. Yeah. Yeah, I remember now. It was three times, yeah. You know what happens yeah. when you get sent up again? Oh, you, you can't send me up again. I ain't done nothing. We're looking for Charlie Bond and Lil Dunlop. They were here, weren't they? No. If they were here and you don't tell us, the charge will be harboring criminals. The judge will throw the book at you. The, they weren't here, I tell you. All right, Clay. Let's take these cups down to the sheriff's office. We'll bring Mousy along for company. Oh, you, you, you can't take me in. I ain't done nothing. We won't keep you long, just till we take the fingerprints off these cups. Fingerprints? Uh-huh. As soon as we find out they don't belong to Charlie and Lil, we'll bring you back home. You ready, Mousy? Wait. Oh. Oh. oh, wait a minute. You ready to start talking? Maybe... Maybe they was here. How long ago? Uh, early this morning. Did they say where they were heading? No, no, they didn't say... Come on, Mousy. Let's go. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I, I, I... Okay. Okay, Ranger. They're going to Gulf City. Well, it sounds like they're going to try to luck with a seaport for a change, Jason. Yeah. Which cafe will Lil be working, Mousy? Uh, I, I don't know. She and Charlie were talking about it. They, they figured they'd decide when they get there. Come on, Clay. Oh, I don't know. I have to, Charlie, a little Ranger. You've got to believe me. If I'd have known, I'd have told you right off. I'll bet. Next time, just be more careful about who you invite for coffee. I phoned the Gulf City chief of police and asked him to stake out his men in every cafe where Lil might be expected. As soon as one of them spotted her, he was to keep an eye on her and phone the chief's office. And Clay and I headed for Gulf City. Yeah, just 20 more miles to Gulf City, Jase. Yeah. We ought to make it before dark. Well, the chief's men on the job. It shouldn't be too hard to spot Lil. Our problem's to take Lil and Charlie together. We'll have to set a trap, Clay. I don't follow you. As soon as we get to Gulf City, I'm going to borrow a pair of dungarees and a denim shirt. What for? So I can pose as a seaman who's just been paid. Walk into the cafe where Lil is and try and get her to pick me up. Well, let's say she does. Then what? And she'll lead us to Charlie Bond. But, Jay's Charlie's a killer. You won't be able to carry a gun in that seaman's outfit. No, but you'll have a gun. And you'll be tailing me from the minute Lil and I leave the cafe. Well, I hope it works. Not half as much as I do, Clay. Not half as much. We arrived at Gulf City around 7 o'clock. I outlined my plan to the chief and he arranged for some seaman's clothes. I changed into dungarees and then Clay and I settled down in the office to wait. Ten o'clock. Maybe she's not going to show tonight. Well, give her time. She's probably waiting till the cafes fill up. So it won't be so noticeable when she walks out with her latest sucker. Only tonight, that's going to be you. 
If things work our way, there'll be two other suckers tonight. Lil and Charlie Bond. If things work our way. I still don't like it, Jason. You got a better idea? No, I reckon not. <laughs> What's the matter? Well, it's not really funny, but I can't get over you in that seaman's outfit. You look like you haven't spent a day on land in ten years. Just so it convinces Lil. And it ought to. I'm convinced and I know you. I'll get it. Ranger Morgan. Where? Yeah, right away. Come on. Lil? The Anchor Cafe. Let's go, sailor. The cafe was crowded with seamen when I walked in. I spotted Lil at the corner table and passed her on my way to the counter. Took out a wad of bills and made sure she could see them, and then I asked the proprietor for change to play the jukebox. I put in a nickel, and when I turned around, she was standing at my shoulder. Hello, sailor. Hi. You like music, huh? Uh-huh. We don't get to hear much aboard ship. You off one of the tankers? Yeah. What's your name? Jack. Jack. That's a real nice name. Mine's Lil. Buy me a beer, Jack? Sure. Come on over. Um, I hope you don't think I did wrong coming up to you and speaking first. Glad you did. One beer and coffee, please. But don't you drink beer? Yes, sometimes. Oh, I knew when you came in you'd be nice to talk to. I was right, too. It's funny. I was thinking the same thing when I saw you. Were you? I didn't even know you'd noticed me. Oh, with that pretty red hair and... How could I miss you? You are nice. Gee, I wish we could dance in here. Yes, so do I. Hey, I got an idea. A few friends of mine are having a party tonight. Why don't we go? We could dance there. I couldn't go in these work clothes. Oh, that won't make any difference. Come on, Jack. Well, but don't you want to wait for your beer? There'll be plenty at the party. Come on. Okay. Forget that beer and coffee. Maybe I ought to go back to the ship and change into some better clothes. I told you, it won't make any difference. My friends won't care. Which way? Right down here. Sure, I'm glad I met you tonight. Yeah, me too. Only I wish we'd met a long time before this. You see, I was right. You are nice. Oh, we take a shortcut through here. Uh, freight yards? Mm -hmm. My friends live right on the other side. This will save us a couple of miles of walking. Well, if you say so. It only takes a few minutes. How come you're so quiet all of a sudden? Mm, reckon I don't have much to say. Well, I expect we'll have a lot to talk about before the evening's over. You can say that again. Well, now, that's more like it. For a minute there, I was beginning to think you didn't like me. You scared of something, Lil? Well, of course not. Why? The way you're looking around, I... No, you don't! Slug him, Charlie! Slug him! Give me that gun! Charlie, look out! Hey. Hey. Grab the girl, Clay! I got this one! Yeah. Get yeah. your hands off! I can't! Get him off! Come on, I said... I said give me that gun, you... Charlie! You killed Charlie! Yeah, uh, he'll be all right. You okay, Jace? Yeah. Put the other pair of cuffs on Charlie. Sure. <laughs> dirty, dirty cops! Hey, you sure hit him hard, Chase. He's out cold in the fish. I should have known you were a cop. I should have figured it out the minute I saw you. Don't worry, Lil. You'll have plenty of time for figuring from now on.
in just a moment, we will tell you the results of the case you have just heard. Music means all things to all people. Music is relaxation, adventure. Elysian fields of dreams come true. We of NBC feel proud of our Monday evening lineup of truly fine music programs. Tomorrow means more fine music on NBC, with the Railroad Hour featuring Gordon McRae. Tomorrow, Nadine Connor will guest on the Railroad Hour production of the Romberg-Gershwin musical, Rosalie, to add to your Monday evening listening pleasure. Also tomorrow, there's the voice of Firestone with guests Jerome Hines and Howard Barlow directing the orchestra in March of the Toys. Later, there's the telephone hour with guest soloist Michael Rabin and the orchestra under the direction of Donald Voorhees. And enjoy the Mario Lanza show with Mario Lanza, lovely Giselle McKenzie and Ray Sinatra and the orchestra. Yes, Monday is your invitation to hear the Railroad Hour, the Voice of Firestone, the Telephone Hour, and the Mario Lanza show. Hear it on this station. Now, here are the results of the case you have just heard. Faced with ballistics proof that his gun killed Carl Jessup, Charlie Bond admitted shooting him and placing his body in a freight car. Bond and Lil Dunlop received life sentences in the penitentiary. Early in 1949, Whitey Holmes, a vagrant dying of tuberculosis in the county hospital, confessed that he and another man had thrown the body of Carl Jessup from a moving train, thus clearing up the unsolved element in the case. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. included Tony Barrett, Tom McKee, Brad Brown, Herb Ellis, Bob Sweeney, and Joan Banks. Technical advisor was Captain M.T. Lone Wolf Gonzalez of the Texas Rangers. This story was transcribed and adapted by Charles E. Israel, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Peake. Hal Gibney speaking. Next, it's The Big Show. All this and Tallulah, too, on NBC. Welcome back. Well, we've talked in previous episodes about all the stuff that rangers carry with them all around the state. But one thing they don't carry? All the mug books. And I think there's obvious good reason for that. But given the area that they troll, it can be hundreds of miles to a ranger headquarters. I don't know how far in this case. I did find a city with the name where the witness was located at in El Paso County that was nearly 500 miles away, but that doesn't sound right. I get the sense that a lot of the small town names and tales of the Texas Rangers 
are fictitious, you know, to aid being uh, somewhat flexible with geography. And also not to bring unwanted notoriety to a small town about events that happened some years prior. The end uh, comments kind of threw me a little bit because they seem different because usually on Tales of the Texas Rangers, they mention the specific facilities that criminals were sent to, and here they just say the penitentiary. I did like that we found out how the story about the body being thrown off the train was actually communicated to law enforcement. Oftentimes in old-time radio programs, when stories or portions of them are told from the perspective of the criminals, you know, and supposedly based on a true story, there are elements in the story that make you wonder, wait a second, how did they know that they said this? Because you have events recorded where every living person in the story with knowledge of them ended up dying. Now, while I acknowledge it's possible there might have been some person in the room who wasn't worth making a character in the story who told what happened and what was said, I think in many cases that writers are just totally making them up. And so you have cases where it's like, this is a true story, but the dialogue is completely ridiculous and the scenarios and the way characters relate to each other because the writer's just making it up. They don't know. But because their series spends a lot of time with the criminals, they just imagine what the criminals might have said. In this case, we get an explanation for what happened with the hobos and how authorities learned what happened. Made a lot of sense. And it also illustrates that in order to get a conviction, not all mysteries always have to be wrapped up. You know, like if you take an Agatha Christie story and when Poirot is doing his summation. Before he reveals the murderer, he also shows how he has deduced all the little mysteries that uh, were going on but did not actually pertain to the murder. In real life, if it doesn't pertain to the murder or to some other serious crime, the police investigating are not really going to care. They'll have some interest in a potential uh, affair involving one of the suspects, but if evidence comes in pointing at another suspect and it's solid and it looks like the other suspect did it, they're not going to care about the affair anymore. They did make an interesting decision to go ahead and show us the body being thrown out of the train. I actually think that was a good decision because if you have the body thrown from the train as a member of the audience you're going to be expecting that to be investigated a lot and in real life no doubt that aspect received a lot of investigative time. The problem is that if you portray all of that in the radio program you're not going to have time to tell the story you want to tell. So by showing us what happened with the body being thrown out of the train and the audience realizing well it being thrown out of the train was not part of the murder then they don't have to spend so much time 
showing how the Rangers investigated that aspect. There were also some really lovely PSAs, and it may seem a little early for some of our listeners, given that this is being first released in October. However, we will, of course, be skipping over next week's Christmas episode and bring that to you in a couple months at the appropriate time. Well, now it is time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day, and I want to go ahead and thank Kevin. Kevin has been one of our Patreon supporters since March 2019, currently supporting the program at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Kevin. And uh, that will do it for today. A reminder, if you're enjoying the podcast and you would like to listen every day, you can subscribe with your favorite podcast app, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Tune in or the Amazon Music Store at Amazon.com slash OTR Detectives. We'll be back next Saturday with another episode of Tales of the Texas Rangers. But coming up on Monday, listen for the adventures of Sam Spade, where... I'm Gertrude Leggett, Mr. Spade. It's about my stepdaughter, Gabrielle. She's been missing since the funeral. Uh, Whose funeral was that, Mrs. Leggett? My husband, Gabrielle's father. That was nearly three weeks ago. She came to me afterwards and said she was going down to Quesada to our country place for a few days. That she wanted to be alone with her grief. But I discovered that she never arrived at Quesada. Do I make myself clear, Mr. Spade? Yeah, except for one thing. Why do you want her back? First, she may do something to disgrace me. She'll undoubtedly try her best to do so. Secondly, unless I get her signature to some papers, in accordance with her father's will, I can't go on living in this house. Furthermore... That's okay. You've convinced me. Now, when she left, what did she take with her? Just one piece of light luggage and her liquor case, of course. She drinks, you know. It's not my place to disapprove. I merely thought it might help you to know. Well, we could case all the bars in town, but it'd take a lot of time and a lot of money. Besides, I'm on the wagon. Well, you might talk to Eric, my chauffeur. He drove her to the station, or says he did. Where do I find him? Let's see. Ten o'clock. He'll be loitering down the hall somewhere in the neighborhood of the linen closet... Helping the upstairs maid fold the sheets. Uh, I'd knock first if I were you and avoid embarrassment. Thanks for the tip. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.